Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I've never heard that illustration before. And, uh, you know, Brother Jerry had some cool football illustrations Sunday, and that was a pretty cool football illustration. Makes me want to bring out one of my stories from band. <laughs> I may just whip one on you one of these days. You're just, just firing a warning shot. And, uh, <laughs> Amen. Beginning tomorrow, 30 days of prayer. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a question tonight. We're already feeling in the spirit pushback. So what are you going to do? Are you going to push back? Amen. So let's push back. There's only one thing to do, and that is to push back. Push back and let the spirit of the Lord touch our heart and our lives. We need to be, Brother Rayleigh said Sunday, we need to be intentional. We certainly need to be intentional, not anything random about this, but let's be very, very important, uh, very intentional about this important time in our lives. Um, you're going to be receiving, I, I may mention this in my message tonight again, but you're going to be receiving, I know for this year on Saturdays, you've been receiving a focused prayer topic you hear that again then brought up on Sunday morning and and whoever leads focus prayer only <clears throat> just chooses a couple of those topics there's more of those in, in that email if you haven't been receiving an email and would like to then we have some misinformation somewhere and uh, if you'll see Sister Amy Osmond after church correct that but for the month of November in addition to the emails that you get on Saturday on uh, Sunday, you're going to re be receiving uh, an email with a prayer focus for each week in the month of November. For the first few days, our prayer for tomorrow and through the weekend, our prayer topic, I'll just go ahead and tell you, is about our Fueling the Fire prayer conference, which is Friday night and Saturday. And we're just praying and asking the Lord to anoint the speakers. And um, you may have received, I think, an email about that today. And um, ask the Lord to touch those that are involved in that conference and all of us who will be attending uh, at least a portion or all of that conference to, to feel the impact and the power of the Word of God as it comes forth. And um, so we're not just trying to load up your inbox of email, but we are certainly wanting to arm everybody that we can with there's a lot to pray about and uh, a lot to pray about. And so... Tonight, as we enter into this season, I want to speak on the subject of prayer, and and uh, we may do this along and along throughout the month, 
I also want to ask you to remember our services this coming Sunday. Brother and Sister Coley Reese from Macon, Georgia. We're very, very excited about introducing them to our congregation and believing the Lord to touch in this, uh, in this weekend services. If you'll join me in the book of Second Chronicles while you're standing, we're happy to have Jake with us tonight. Amen. Bless his heart. He was in the hospital this weekend, and we're happy that he's home and happy to have the Hardens with us. Let's pray for our Bible quizzers tonight that are in the Annex. Let's ask God to touch their young minds and their heart. Amen. They're not just memorizing words, but it is holy and divine truth that is being implanted and imparted in their heart and lives. So the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, why, where else could we go? <laughs> where else could we go for a launching pad than right here? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. That seems like a strange thing, isn't it? Because he's talking about his people. If they would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So I just want to talk about prayer for a little bit tonight. Is that all right? I want you to make the journey with me. Don't let your neighbor go to sleep. Amen. This is too important to sleep through. Let's let the Spirit of God touch our hearts. We love you today. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray, God, for the instruction of your word to touch our heart, not just our ear, not just toy with or brush against the academic nature of our mind, but I pray to speak to our heart tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated, and uh, let's just make a journey together. I don't know uh, of a greater truth, nor do I know of a greater challenge in all of the Word of God than Second Chronicles 7 and 14. It is all predicated, of course, upon one simple word that has the ability to change the dynamics of everything about our lives, and that is the word if. If my people, if they will, I will. And so it is putting us in a proactive position that we must first approach the Lord. This morning while in prayer, I felt prompted to share this with you this evening. Prayer is many things, of course. Sometimes prayer, I believe, is persuasion. I really believe that. We see that in the life of Bible characters. I think we can certainly find that in the life of Moses, for instance, that, that the persuasive voice of intercession... Uh, as Moses began to speak to the Lord about mercy for the children of Israel again and again. I think also that prayer can be petition. We see Abraham pleading for Sodom and uh, petitioning the Lord. But, but what if there is 40? What if there is? If, I, if we could just find but 10 and that petitioning to the Lord. I think these and many other forms of prayer are found from time to time, not only in the Word of God, but certainly in, in our lives. But I, I believe that ultimately and fundamentally that prayer should not just be about petition and prayer should not just be about persuasion, but I believe that prayer ultimately at its very core root should be about relationship. Amen. It's me again, Lord, the old song said. Amen. It's me again, Lord. Amen. And so since prayer is more about relationship, then I need to know 
who I am in relationship with. Consider, if you will, one of the greatest contributors to the New Testament, that being Paul, but prior to his conversion, he was referred to as Saul. And so Saul of Tarsus, on the road to Damascus, he has this tremendous spiritual encounter where he is left blinded. Amen. And so in this blinding moment of, um, of revelation and in this blinding moment, his response was, who are you, Lord? Who are you? I want to find out who I'm in relationship with. It was in the next verse that he said, what would you have me do? I think we first must figure out who we're in relationship with before we try to find out what would you have me do. I want to learn about him and, and his characteristics, his ways. And, and so we, I, I must first have an, a relationship with the Lord, pure and simple. Not, um, not something that's always serving as a catalyst for something else, but I just want to be in relationship with him. Amen. To worship the Lord, to just adore him without request, without petition, without anything. I don't have any agenda. I just want to talk to the Lord. Looking back over the few de- last few decades of serving the Lord, I think that the most important thing that could ever be established is relationship. I'm thankful for uh, everything that the Lord has ever allowed me to do. And I have been privileged through the years to have a lot of jobs and to hold a lot of titles. I've been a Sunday school teacher. I've been a bus driver. I've been a youth pastor. I've been an evangelist. I've been a pastor and a few other things along the way. None of those titles or none of those jobs would mean anything if I did not first have a secure relationship with the Lord. Because you can have titles and positions and roles and responsibilities and not have a walk with God and not have a relationship with God. And how tragic that would be. Yet you can have a relationship with God and hold no title and hold no position. And you are still way, way ahead of the pack. Because none of those things are going to mean anything if we don't have a fundamental walk with God. I must have a walk with Him. And so I believe that prayer is without a doubt the most important practice of a Christian life. It's not about whether or not we can sing on time or in harmony or whether or not we know uh, this beat or that beat. It it isn't about any of the cutting edges of technology, but I think one of the most important practices that any child of God could have would be a prayer life. I mean, that is the most important thing that we could do. As I mentioned a moment ago, tomorrow we're launching 3030 Prayer Initiative, and that is for the month of November. And so here is, here is my plea to this congregation tonight and whoever may hear this when this service is recorded. If you don't have a regular prayer life, it is my hope that, the, that you will take advantage of the journey that we're on together and that this can plant a seed. Amen. And you know, here's what I've always felt about seeds. As long as the seed is alive, all you need to do is plant it. It will grow on its own. It will, the growth will take care of itself. And so 
if you do not have a prayer life, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable about that or embarrassed about that. Amen. So we just are asking you to take advantage. Get on board. And now let's walk away from this. And maybe some of the younger people in our church have yet to develop that. So here's a grand opportunity. Whether you're young in age or just young in the Lord, here's a grand opportunity to be able to initiate that. If you already have a prayer schedule, then we're just simply asking you to add an additional 30 minutes. If you want to add that later in the day or add that on as you're praying, whatever the case may be. Some of the topics that we're going to focus on, as I mentioned a moment ago, are going to be sent to you. And, and, uh, and I, I want to underline that this will be in addition to our normal focused prayer that will just carry on in December and so on and so forth. Amen. So let's just bind together, shoulder to shoulder, and let's make this work. Certainly in this message, we are only going to be able to perhaps have an overview of prayer. I certainly do not consider myself to be the king of prayer, the master teacher of prayer. It's a huge subject, so there'd be no way of covering every aspect of it. So I'm just going to touch on as many points as I think we can tonight, see how far we get. If we don't get through it all, then I'll just pick up uh, next week. But first of all, prayer is not something that we are just offering to some mystical force in the universe, and we are just hoping that someone's hearing our words. By no means is that true. Amen. I'm thankful that when we kneel and pray, whether that is in the morning or whatever time, that we have an audience with the Lord. I have the Lord's undivided attention. Prayer is, is merely a means of communicating whereby I am hearing from and speaking to God Almighty. And I think it's very important that we differentiate that because we ought not just be speaking to, but we ought to also be hearing from the Lord God Almighty. Well, I want to understand what prayer is. I certainly, in order to understand what prayer is, I sure, certainly need to understand what prayer is not. Prayer is communicating with, it is hearing from the Lord. It is in prayer that God can touch our heart and speak things into our life. Now, I believe that our prayer time, all of our prayer time, certainly should not be just consumed with me doing all the talking or with you doing all the talking because it's never pleasant to have that supposed conversation with someone who's doing all the, who's doing all the talking. I had a, a, a sort of a humorous thing happen a few nights ago. I received a phone call, not from anybody here or anybody that you know. And uh, according to them, do you have a few minutes? I said, certainly. And uh, I said, I just need some advice. I just need some advice on something. And I want to tell you that for the next 30 minutes or so, I could hardly squeeze a word in edgewise. I think the only time that I was even able to say anything is when they were kind of taking a breath together their next thought in the end it was kind of hilarious because in the end they thanked me for my advice and said they were going to do what I advised them to do and uh, I hung up the phone I was kind of perplexed I didn't know what I said <laughs> I didn't know what I said and all of that and uh, but we've all been there haven't we it's just that one-sided conversation it's like a machine gun and, and it's just coming information 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 but if we're not careful we'll do the same thing to the Lord It'll just be us talking, and when we're through, then we're out and up and ready to go about our day when instead perhaps we need to linger in the presence of God and let the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of God speak to our heart and touch our life. 
I've mentioned it many times through the years, and if God will give me breath, I'll continue to do so. But the Bible talks a lot about meditation. And you know where we are? It just seems like to me that all of the... uh, And this is not a soapbox. I'll just drop it and run. But it just seems like to me that all of our time-saving conveniences and everything that we have been given has done nothing but destroy our our attention span. And so, if you can't say it in three minutes or less, you probably you know it's the chances of that landing are is going to be slim to none. And so, our attention span. But yet, the Word of God is not something that is so academic that we can just read it commit that to our heart or our mind and then move on but we need to meditate David and many other contributors to the book of Psalms conclude portions of those Psalms by the word Selah to pause, meditate, just let that soak in think about that I know I've mentioned this before but I read an interesting book several years ago and the content of the book was very good but it was the it was the uh, the layout it was the design of the book that perhaps uh, intrigued me more than anything else because the author made a plea in his opening remarks of the book to not read the book straight through but to read a chapter a day and just let that chapter just be the only thing and then think about that and that was quite a challenge because we want to pick up the book and read as much as we can set it down and then 6 weeks later resume Right, and uh, when we find the book that we knocked off the, you know, you know how it all goes, and and so, and and so let this soak in and think about this, and let it let it mean minister to you, let it be meaningful to you, and so I I pray that the Lord would help us that we can look at the Word of God. And look at prayer, not just as me doing all the talking, you doing all the talking. I can't express enough how important it is to keep the line open of heaven. Amen. To leave room in our prayer for the Lord to speak to something. I want to speak to God, but I want to also hear from God. Amen. He's always listening. Yes, he is. He's always listening. It's never going to roll to voicemail. Amen. I would say you're never going to busy, get a busy signal, but even that is an outdated concept anymore. So it's never going to roll to voicemail, but it, you always have the attention of heaven. David said in Psalms 121 and 4, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. We have the attention of the Lord. He didn't just wake up at 7.30 to hear our petitions now, but he's going to hear us at 1.30 in the morning. Amen. He can hear us at 3 a.m. in the morning because he neither sleeps nor slumbers. We know that we have instant access to God in prayer. I believe that we ought to be intentional about prayer, and I'm going to conclude with a little bit of that, a format of that intention, but I believe that we ought to be intentional in prayer, but I also know that there are times that we don't have have time to put together some long-flowing prayer. Sometimes the, the situation mandates that the only thing we can do is just begin to plead the blood of the Lord. Amen. Call upon his name. Sometimes we've only been able to just say, Jesus. There's such power in that name. Prayer is something that we all need to be doing, young and old. And it's not an option, nor is it a drudgery. Prayer is a privilege. As a matter of fact, I believe that we ought to just thank the Lord for prayer from time to time. Amen. I think we ought to just thank you for the privilege 
to pray. The opportunity, what a wonderful thing that it is that I can kneel and pray. I'm glad that someone taught me the principle of that. I mean, the Bible says that, that we should pray without ceasing for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Prayer, always prayer. Luke 18 and one, Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint. Now, many of us know that these admonitions are in scripture, yet sometimes we are still reluctant to pray. I think one reason, perhaps, could be based on the fact that we're embarrassed about prayer a little bit. Amen? Maybe we're unsure what to say. Not sure how it's going to come out. I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Or perhaps I know what to say, but I don't know how to say it. I know what's in my heart. I know what's in my mind, but I'm not really sure how to get it out there. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, we are given the origin of this holy Bible. The Bible says, for the, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now you think about that. The Lord used mankind, but he did not transform those particular mouthpieces into something else in order to use them. He just used them. Amen. He just used them. For instance, Luke and Paul, and perhaps others, but for sure Luke and Paul were very educated men. And so when you read the writings of Luke and you read the writings of Paul, their higher learning comes across in their vocabulary. Very eloquent. Amen. And so you pick up. And so the Lord just used them as they were. He used that vessel. Others were very common men, perhaps more common than those that I mentioned. And so God used them as they were to write Scripture. And they related to their world as others related to their world. And, and, and again, you can see the characteristics of those people coming out. And I'm saying all that to say this, that when you pray, you're probably going to sound a whole lot like yourself. Because God is just going to use us as we are. <laughs> I don't think that we're just going to necessarily wax eloquent all of a sudden if that is not our everyday language. I don't think that it's necessarily appropriate to just, we're going to pray and we're talking like this, we're just talking normal, and then all of a sudden I just say we put on that stained glass voice. <laughs> And we just start, you know, people are looking around the room. Who just started praying? I believe that we're going to be a whole lot like us. We're probably going to sound a whole lot like us. Amen. So we should just pray as we are because the Lord knows us as we are. Now, that's not to say we can't improve, and that's not to say we can't up the ante on our grammar and things of that nature. I'm not trying to uh, promote ignorance here by any stretch of the imagination, but I believe that God is just going to use us as we are. And so whenever I get up and preach, my wife recognizes the voice that I'm using right here and right now because this is the voice that I talk in every day. And so I don't morph into something else to be the preacher and then change again to be something else to be the husband or the father or the friend or whatever it may be. 
God is just going to use us as we are. I was privileged to grow up in a home where prayer was commonplace. My mother was not a perfect person and would never make that claim. And uh, so that's not, we're not trying to set anybody on a pedestal, but she was a person of prayer. I've often talked about the impression that was left in my life as a child. After my brothers left the house for the day, my mother would place a few toys in front of her bedroom door at the end of our hallway. Uh, the end of our hallway was sort of a sort of kind of like a T, and you'd turn to the right and to go into their room, you could kind of go straight forward into one room and to the left to another room. And it was right there in that little T of that hallway that my mother would set a few toys and then she would go into her room and not close the door but just push the door and she would begin to pray what I know now were prayers of intercession. I could hear her calling the names of people. I was a child, a young man, didn't really understand all that was going on but I understood later that, that she was praying prayers of intercession primarily, at least in my mind. That's how I remember those prayers. I can remember my mom taking me to ladies' prayer meeting. And uh, in the, the particular building that we were in, I asked my Aunt Merle about this and, and, and uh, Brother Tumman, and they remembered the building. I, I asked them uh, several years ago. But in the particular building that they would have ladies' prayer meeting in was a... Uh, sawdust or a wood chipped floor and as a child that was pretty cool because I got to play under the pews and the wood chips while the ladies prayed so I wasn't there praying I wasn't there reading my Bible I was playing in the sawdust but something was getting in my heart there was a pattern there was something that was being established in my life it was very much prayer was very much a part of our home life. I can remember the phone ringing and people would be asking for prayer and um, my dad wasn't a preacher or a pastor. My mom wasn't in ministry. They were saints of God in the church. But when people would call for prayer, we would stop whatever we were doing and we would have prayer in our home. And I'm thankful for that. I figured out a few things as I grew up and I figured out that you can inherit your mother's eyes and your daddy's hands but you don't inherit somebody else's prayer life. Spiritual things are not imparted. There's not some spiritual DNA that just because daddy prayed, you're going to pray and mama prayed and you're going to pray or your grandparents or your aunt or your uncle was this or that and then all of a sudden that's just going to automatically be yours because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we are in a spiritual war. And so these things must be developed on your own. I'm thankful for the pattern of prayer that was set in my life. And I am sure that I am not the only one. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that I am not the only one that had prayer patterned for them in their life. But we also understand those same people would have to agree with me that you don't just inherit that. But I'm thankful for the well-worn path that was left. And I was never questioning what we do 
Where do we turn? Which way do we go? What do we, what do we turn to if something goes wrong? Now, I, I do appreciate those examples of prayer, but I learned very early on, if I'm going to have a prayer life, I am going to have to be intentional about this. You can read books on prayer as you should. I think there's some wonderful books. I would be careful who I read behind, but uh, I think the Pentecostal Publishing House has some wonderful books on prayer. And uh, at, But at some point, you're going to have to stop reading about it and just start praying. <laughs> you can read about all the techniques. You can read about this. You can read about all the different kinds of prayers. You can read about the different postures of prayer. And we'll talk about that tonight. But at some point, you just got to stop and start praying. You have to start somewhere. And so I trust that for some, November of 2018 will be a starting place. The very first revival that I ever preached, I preached in our home church. My pastor knew from the very beginning that I had felt led to evangelize and knew that we would evangelize at some point. And so he invited me to preach my first revival at our home church, to which I quickly said, yes, yes, yes. I was excited. I had an opportunity. I had a platform. I'm not just talking about a microphone, but I had a platform. I had something that would help me. I had something that, and a pastor that recognized a call upon my life. It was only after that, it was only after that I committed yes that he said there is one stipulation. And he said, I want you to know that you're going to have to pray two hours every day. Now, I know for some of you, that you do that before your first cup of coffee. But I'm just going to confess that I wasn't quite up to praying two hours a day at the time of this particular invitation. And so before I could completely faint, he said something that left a forever footprint in my heart. My pastor's birthday is today, and I talked to him a little bit ago. He said, I just want you to know this, that I am going to meet you at the church and I'm going to pray with you for those two hours. And he did. And so he taught me early on that you can't do this on your own. I'm going to lead you to the fountain where the strength is found. I want to just insert this and in some of these stories I know that some of you have heard, maybe all of you have heard, but I said some time ago that I was not going to be bashful about repeating stories. We had barely started evangelizing. We fast forward the tape some few years. We barely started evangelizing and had only preached just a couple of meetings. And the Lord allowed our path to intersect with Bishop L.P. Upton. And sight unseen, he scheduled us for a revival, a multi-week revival. And I was wondering how in the world, what in the world is going on. And uh, we were there for the first weekend, Monday morning, Sunday night. He said, I'll be over to pick you up in the morning. I want to take you to go eat breakfast. And so we got in the car, we went to eat breakfast, and then we got in the car, but we didn't head back to the church. Instead, we went to a Bible bookstore where he bought three books on prayer, some from Leonard Ravenhill, some from E.M. Bounds, tremendous writers of prayer. And he said, I want you to commit the instructions of these books into your heart. It was heavy reading, challenging reading to some degree, on many levels challenging. But somebody was taking me by the hand one more time and saying, if you're going to have anything happen in your life, it's not going to be the man in the mirror. I've got to lead you to the real source. And that real source 
is the Lord. I remember laying there. I remember seriously. I remember in their church, their old church was. Uh, they had a balcony, their old church, and up in the balcony, they had an office that was a really a neat, really neat setup. They had an office that was just for guest speakers, and it was it was very modestly decorated, and just a few things in there with a desk. And I can remember going day after day after day, and I was laying on the floor of that office, and I was so intimidated about being there, and I was asking the Lord, why, why? Of all the people, they could have had anybody in the world to be there and preach for them, and it would have been an honor for them to be there. And I just kept asking the Lord why. I don't mean just repeating that, but just daily in my prayer, it was why. And one day the Lord just laid in my heart that this revival was not for me helping them, but they were going to help me. And I saw something else in that, and that was the function of the body of Christ. So every time somebody stands in this pulpit, we shouldn't just be here to see what we can get from them. But there may be times that somebody is in this desk and the ministry is going to be from that way this way. I believe it ought to always be a two-way street. Amen. But I understood quickly that I wasn't there because they needed me, but I was there because I needed them. And I'm very thankful for a church that was unselfish enough to minister in the opposite direction and let the power of the Lord touch in my heart. Amen. We need the Lord. Amen. I think we all want to pray. I really believe that. I really do. Amen. I believe that all of us desire to communicate with God and we should not be reluctant to do so. We see it as a privilege that it really is, but maybe we need to learn more about it. I will tell you that I do. I want to turn our attention to the book of Ephesians and for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Just seeing if you're here. The Bible says in the 6th chapter, the 18th verse, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Were you able to do that? Okay, I want to I want to read the same passage from the English Standard Version. I use this version of the ESV to study with often, and I just like how it accentuates some of the powerful syllables of the verses. And so I'm just you just read along with me, if you will. This same passage of scripture in the ESV, the Bible says, "Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication." To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints and also for me. This is Paul speaking. Also for me that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, I don't ask for a lot of things or at least I I don't think I do, but um, don't. Don't burst that bubble in case you know differently. But if you're wondering how to pray for me as a pastor, if you're wondering if it ever crossed your mind, what could I do or how could I pray for my pastor? Paul answers that. He captured it very succinctly in the 19th verse. He said that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. I ask the Lord a lot of times, 
a lot of times, very often, help my mind to understand your word. Not for showmanship, but that I might be able to commit what has been committed to me. I make this commitment to the Lord. If you'll give it to me, I'll let it flow through me. And I'll give it to someone else. And so Paul said that the words may be given me in the opening of my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. Pray that the spirit of the Lord would touch the mouth and the minds of all the ministry of our church, of all of our leadership, of all of our teachers, that they may make known the mystery of the gospel. Let's open it up. I believe this, that God doesn't just reveal himself to 18-year-olds or 28-year-olds or 42-year-olds or 63-year-olds, but I believe that God can reveal himself to a 10-year-old, to a 12-year-old, old God can place some things in their mind, in their heart hey I wasn't alone, I'm not alone am I tonight, we, the spirit of the Lord can speak to our heart yes he can and open our minds let's look back at verse 18 for just a moment, I want you to notice a word that is used three times in all, in this passage of scripture in verse number 18, it's the word all A-double-L, praying at all times, Paul said, with all prayer and supplication, making supplication with for all saints. All, all, all. I believe the message is loud and clear that we are being taught that we should pray on all occasions, that we ought to pray all kind of prayers, amen, and that we ought to be praying for all of the saints of God. Amen, pray. What is there to pray about? My goodness, amen, look around us. Think about all the people that just, if we just call their name in prayer. I don't know about you, I keep a daily prayer list, amen, of names and situations and, and, and circumstances and just to go through the, the list just grows on and on and on. I'm thankful for the answered prayers, amen, but the list just grows on and on and on and on. What is there to pray about? What is there not to pray about? There's so much to pray about. Amen, I know how it has impacted my life through the years. And I, I, I'm not, I don't want you to take this out of uh, place or, or misunderstand what I'm saying, but I'm very thankful. A few, a few Sunday mornings ago, a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, I was standing in my office. I felt a word in my heart, but I was so conflicted. I, I was just in a, in a struggle. Amen, I received a text message from a pastor friend of mine in the state of Louisiana. He said, I want you to know that I just came out of the prayer room. I called your name and God is going to push a fresh anointing upon you today. Oh my word. Oh my Lord. To think that somebody 900 miles away from here had me on their mind, had me on their heart and they called my name before the Lord and they sent a word from God. I'm going to tell you something. I believe in prayer. Amen. I believe in being specific in prayer. Not just oh Lord move. Oh God we need you to stir. Oh God this. Oh God that. But I believe in praying specific prayers. If you have a lost loved one, call them by name. If you have a situation, a circumstance, call it by name. Does the Lord know? Yes, he knows. Amen. But I want him to know that I know. I want him to know that I know. Amen. Praying at all times. He's telling us some important things about prayer, but he does not address some things that some people focus on or sometimes we all tend to focus on. Sometimes we can major on minors and we all just say amen. <laughs> we can all major on minors. And by that I mean that we can be so preoccupied with things that really aren't going to matter at the end of the day. 
For instance, one thing that some people really get worked up about prayer is that whether to pray privately or publicly. And I know what the scripture is talking about, about in your closet and things of that nature. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't come together collectively and corporately. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't open our mouth and be heard. It doesn't mean that we should not blend our voices together. Some people wonder about the posture of prayer. Well, how, what is the right way? It's, it's, some people would say what well, the best thing to do is you should always pray on your knees. But I want to tell you, Some days my knees just can't take it. Depending on what the floor is. And so if I've got to pray on my knees, some places, some days, some situations, I'm going to be in trouble. Because I'm going to be thinking about my knees bothering me. Some people feel like you've got to pray with your eyes closed. You know, the list could go on and on and on. But in the Bible, we see many different postures of prayer. We see people standing. We see people with lifted hands, some sitting, some laying down, some kneeling, some lifting their eyes, some bowing. Luke 18 and 13 talks about a tax collector that was praying, pounding on his chest. You're free to look that up when you get home. It's there. And so what is the posture of prayer? I think the point is that any posture will do. Some people like to walk and pray. I like to walk and pray. I like to lay down and pray. Amen. Sometimes we sit and pray. I believe the best place to pray is at your point of need. That's the best place. Of course, I like to pray in church, and, but that's not always an option. It's not always accessible. My wife and I, each of us, have our favorite places to pray in our home and uh, at different points in our house. However, we're not able to always do that. Sometimes we are in a motel or we're in a hospital room or wherever it may be. And so you have to pray at your point of need. And so you're not always able to do it like you would maybe normally do it. Or it, it, you have to step outside. Amen. But at the point of need, that's the best time and that's the best place and that is the best way to pray. Amen. You can't always kneel down. You can't, you shouldn't. There have been times I've been on the phone, riding down the road, the interstate. You shouldn't close your eyes, probably, that that particular point to pray. I hope it's all right to pray with our eyes open. I hope it's all right to pray, dodging traffic. Amen. But our point of need, our point of need came up, and so we have to pray. In the Bible, we see people praying in a number of different places. Some prayed during battles. Some prayed in a cave. Some in a garden, some on a mountain, some by the river, some by the sea, some in the street. One man prayed in Hades. Yes, he did. Others in a home, in prison, in a wilderness. Jonah prayed in the belly of a fish in the depths of the sea. Should we pray in the morning? Should we pray in the afternoon? Should we pray in the evening? The Bible says pray always. So here's the point, and I, I'm, I'm going to come in for a landing. And musicians, you can just stay there if you'd like. And I think that we should pray when we're young. We should pray when we're old. We ought to pray when, pray when we're in trouble. We ought to pray when things are going well. We ought to pray in any posture, in any place, at any time, under all circumstances. Pray. Prayer is good. It's needed. I believe it's 
one of the greatest things that we need in our life, the greatest. And I would like to tell you this tonight, that prayer is not an option. It is not an option. It is not take it, leave it, I will, I won't, I'll decide. In the Bible, there are many different kinds of prayers. Prayer is not just saying, Lord, I need this or please help me out of that. Many kinds of prayers. But really and truly, Jesus gave us the model prayer that's called the Lord's Prayer. You remember that disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They did not say, Lord, teach us a prayer. Teach us how to pray. And so Jesus says, after this manner, therefore, you should pray. So here is a blueprint not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but here's a blueprint for prayer. And this is how I look at the Lord's Prayer. When I think about our Father, I am reminded that I belong to a family of believers and that I have a heavenly Father and that I am not alone. And for that, I'm eternally grateful and thankful. Amen. I'm thankful that I'm not talking to a distant uncle. I'm thankful that I'm not just talking to somebody that I met many, many years ago, but I'm talking to my Father. Amen. I'm a part, our, our father. Not just my father, but it's our father. I'm in the family of God, the body of Christ, which are in heaven. I'm thankful for the reality of heaven. And if there is a reality of heaven, that means there's a reality of hell. And I want to seek one and shun the other. And I thank you, Lord, that there is a such thing as heaven. But I remind the Lord often that in my own finite mind, I cannot comprehend gates of pearl, streets of gold. I can't comprehend a world with no pain, no suffering, no disappointment, a world with no tears. I can't comprehend that in my wildest imagination. A lot of artists have gone and done their best to try to give us a rendering of what it may be like, what it may look like. But I just know this, that what I have felt since the very beginning of this service, that's what's going to make it heaven to me. Amen. I won't know anything. I can't relate to any of the other stuff, but I can relate to the power of God touching my heart and my mind. I can relate, Brother Bobby Gibson, to the spirit, amen, going cool water across my wrist, just refreshing me in the midst of the storm. I'm thankful for that. And that is what's going to make heaven, heaven. Amen. Hallowed be thy name. I am reminded that in everything I say and everything I do today, Please help me to honor your name. I don't want to take it in vain. I don't want to disdain your name. Thy kingdom come. Amen. If I want the kingdom of the Lord to come, then I need to be actively engaged in reaching everybody that I can with this gospel message. I need to share it with them wherever I am at all points, at all opportunities. Thy will be done in heaven, in earth, and in heaven. Amen. Your will, Lord, always above mine. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. As thy days, the writer of Deuteronomy said, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. The Lord knows what we need. So give me what I need today. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jabez prayed, Lord, keep or preserve him in the day of evil. And David prayed for the Lord to order his steps in his word and let not iniquity have any dominion over him. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God is in control. He has this prayer. Always prayer. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our intentional steps begin tomorrow.
as a church. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. I, I am asking everyone, young and old, let's lean on the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.